and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week we're talking about board game tournaments, partly because we're all part of an Azul tournament on Board Game Arena right now, and partly because we want to explore whether or not tournaments are a good thing in general. Why play in a tournament? If you can't win, should you even try? And what games are best suited for tournament play? But first... As always, this is the only part I read verbatim every time, except for when I interject. A thank you to our Patreon <laughs> friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, and the Gift of Games and Grace Lake. Also, a huge thank you to all of our other patrons, um, which we have a ton in our in our Zoom chat today. Uh, if you want to be one of those people, you could go to tabletopgametalk.com slash live Mondays, 830 Central. We are here every Monday at 830 or 835, depending on internet issues, every Monday. <laughs> so... Take a Monday, say, hey, we're going to join the gang and just kind of hang out and come and join us. Um, otherwise, we just record four episodes in one day and then forget the podcast exists every three weeks. This is proof that we record every single week. Um, also proof, join our Discord. It's in the show notes. Just join. It's fun. And what are you looking at? <laughs> Sorry, I just got a bunch of Discord <laughs> notifications from our Discord and it was making my recording buzz. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so if you hear any static right there, it's the Discord's fault for being too is, active. <laughs> that is perfect timing for Discord. Um, also, if you don't know what Discord is, that's fine. You can also join our Board Game Arena group, and you can just join that. You don't have to be part of the Discord. Um, I'm pretty sure that if you go to the group, you can see games that are open. And now's a good time to give people the schedule that I'm going to be doing, at least for the next few weeks. Sunday night, I start up a welcome to. And then it kicks off Monday night, or when it gets full. And then Monday night is a Railroad Inc. Actually, Monday through Friday are Railroad Inks. Um, We're going to do Meteor, Rivers, Lava, Lakes uh, in each day. The games fit 12 people. Feel free to join. Um, Those sometimes kick off early. If they don't kick off early, then I start them after about 24 hours or so. And... There might be more games added to this list. We might do multiple games. Kitty actually bugged me yesterday, this morning, or this afternoon, earlier this morning. She's like, I need more <laughs> Railroad Inc. I'm like, I'm starting it. I'm starting it. I'm not starting games on the weekends because I have found that people take turns a lot slower on the weekends. So I figure I'll just give people a break to catch up. Speaking of slow turn taking and tournaments, we'll get into the tournament section. But if you're part of the Azul <laughs> tournament, um, try checking in a couple times a day. Otherwise, these games will literally take a month to play. They do work fine on the phone. Azul plays great on your phone. So you can just open it up, look up. Oh, yeah, I have a turn. Pick a tile. You're good. Uh, so there's a number of games that are, I think are still in the first round. And then there's a number of games that got all the way through already. So um, just a reminder, uh, pick it up, people. And for those who have really stunned me in in how fast you play, maybe you, you know, get something for it. I don't know. I'm just, you know, throwing out nebulous carrots. Um, Kitty, how was your trip? <laughs> nebulous carrot. Nebulous carrots. <laughs> good band name. <laughs> uh, my trip was great, although it didn't involve any nebulous carrots. Um, it was really fun. Uh, everything went well, uh, except the weather was not great. Maybe remind people who, who've just joined us and have not listened to the last episode what this trip is, because you even did your nails for it. So it's an important I did. Trip. I did my nails during the last podcast. They held up great. Uh, I went to New York, and I went with my mom and some of her friends and their daughters, and we had a really good time. 
We saw The Music Man and Hugh Jackman definitely appreciated the effort I put into my nails. The show was very fun. It was very traditional revival of The Music Man starring Hugh Jackman and Sutton Foster. And if that sounds up your alley, I highly recommend it. Uh, What else did I do? We went to the Natural History Museum. Chris finally just checked the chat and started recording this on Zoom. That really distracted me. Um, We went to go see the Statue of Liberty and did the museum at Ellis Island. We did a whole bunch of stuff, and it was really, really fun, and it was my first real trip to New York. I had driven through the city a couple times, but it's not the same, so... I didn't... Wait, I didn't realize you'd not been to New York before. No, I've never done New York, really. So I still didn't make it off Manhattan, but I did a lot of Manhattan, so... I mean, I guess you count Ellis (laughs) Island, Liberty Island, but... That's not really the same as going to, like, any of the other boroughs. Ellis Island is is New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> New Jersey is not as bad as the nation gives it credit for. Like, at least, the you know, that area of New Jersey is not too bad. Uh, Fletcher, have you been to New York? Yes. I grew up in New Jersey. That's not true. I didn't grow up in New Jersey. I was born in New Jersey, and I lived there for a little while. Um, but, yes, I've been to New York many times. Yeah, I the first time I was in New York was in my 20s when I was driving around the country. And I thought I would hate New York because I was like, you know, rural Michigan kid. And I got to New York and I'm like, wow, this place is kind of cool. I wouldn't want to live here because it smells like trash, but there's so much to do. <laughs> it's, it's just like a lot of fun to do. And then you ended up in Chicago, which and also the- smells like trash. <laughs> but it's different. So for those who've never been to New York, the reason why it has this reputation of smelling like trash is because New York doesn't have any alleys. In Chicago, we have alleys and we put our trash in the dumpster in the in the in the alley. In New York, they just put it out on the sidewalk. And it's during trash day. But when you're walking down Times Square and there's like outside the McDonald's, there's trash bags, t- you know, stacked up five high and there's like this barrier of trash. It can have an odor. And yeah, otherwise it's fun. It's like still, it's- I mean, I was there. It was kind of cold. And I don't know if I hit garbage day for too many of the neighborhoods where I was, but it wasn't too smelly. It still is way better than New Orleans, which is the grossest smelling city I have ever been to. <laughs> and I love New Orleans. Do not get me wrong, but it smells very bad, especially like early on a Sunday morning quarter. when it's humid. Yeah. It's, it's Only a, in the French Quarter. Yeah. <laughs> the French Quarter smells terrible all the time. <laughs> So, welcome to uh, Tabletop Trash City Talk. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Where we rank the smelliest cities. Give us your suggestions. I don't know. (laughs) I'm putting that topic in the hopper for, you know, another time. (laughs) Um, I do want to give a shout out to Matthew, who challenged me in a game of Homeworlds today. Um, And that reminds me to say, hey, if anyone's on Board Game Arena and wants to play Homeworlds or any particular game... And just invite people. You can invite me to any game. Um, I am likely going to accept almost everything except for a few that are just terrible. But even in two player, I'm, <laughs> so I don't might, pick terribly. I might still play. So I mean, if you might like even that play game. It's a terrible game. Yeah, it's a terrible game, and you're a terrible person. So I might even yeah. play Martian Dice again. I mean, I don't know. There's there's nothing to it. So it's just like okay, it plays itself. It's it's one step higher than left center right. Um, but, but that's an important step. You get to choose sometimes. Um, I like trash talking games. It's so much fun. <laughs> Fletcher, have you done anything fun this week? 
Um, no, nothing right. fun. No, this this weekend I just <laughs> took it easy. I didn't have anything. You know, it was so cold that I didn't really want to go anywhere or do anything. I just stayed home. Yeah, and, and especially since last week. So we all live in the Midwest, obviously, around Chicago. And last week it was really nice. And there was you know going outside. And there was at least one day I didn't even wear a coat and had a short sleeve shirt on. And then it started snowing. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's the Midwest. That's just where we live and what we do and what we deal with. And next week. Especially when you get teased for a few days of like, oh, nice weather. It's like mid 50s, like, oh, low 60s, sunny. And it's like, oh, this is going to be great. And then it goes, nope, right back down to 30 degrees. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Spring in this. Chicago is like. Some days it's summer, and then some days it's winter. And when it becomes summer for real is just when you realize it hasn't been winter in a while. You're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then you find those like, oh, wait, it's just hot. It's humid. I'm sweating. This is now, it's got uncomfortable because I didn't get a chance to enjoy spring because I forgot that spring was here because spring just slaps you around and pretends. Speaking of slap, did you guys watch the Oscars last night? (laughs) I did not. (laughs) I heard all about it, though. I did not either. I would not have paid any attention to it. Um, yeah. If you've been... You're just on the internet the yeah, next morning. I was if, like, wait, what? If you don't live on the internet, um, apparently Will Smith decided to go slap Chris Rock in the middle of a bit because he made an, a tasteless joke about Jada Pinkett Smith's hair. And because she has a basically a buzz cut because of a condition that her hair doesn't actually grow in. It's patchy or something like that. And alopecia. She has alopecia. Yeah. Yes. That's the word. And I wasn't even going to try to say it, but that's what it is. <laughs> I've seen things that where Chris Rock didn't realize that that was the case, but he made it as like, hey, can't wait to see G.I. Jane 2. And for that, Will Smith decided to come up and slap him across the face on national television. Fortunately, there were only like 20 people watching at the time, but then it went viral on the internet. So It only takes one of them to put it on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I watched it. It is an uncomfortable watch. If you're going to watch it, watch the minute and a half uncensored version. I'm like, whoa. Because I, I like Will Smith a lot. I'm just like, whoa. Uh, whoa. I'm not sure that was appropriate. So, But on one hand, it's good that Will Smith is defending his wife. On the other hand, it is not okay to punch a comedian. Like, Will Smith is a comedian. He's made these kinds of jokes himself. And Chris Rock. Yeah. Or Chris Rock. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I don't know. I just found it entertaining because I woke up this morning. He's like, did you see the Oscar? No, of course I didn't. Did you see this? I did now. So, um, all right. So let's talk about games and tournaments and also a place that you're not supposed to punch people. <laughs> <laughs> and and just it's a punching tournament. He did not punch. He just open palm slapped, which is a slap. (laughs) It was a slap. So different. (laughs) So different. Slapping tournament, which do exist. They do exist. And I've never been a part of that. I guess maybe when I was a kid, we would do (laughs) like the bloody knuckles thing where you like hold your hands and like have to slap hands. We used to play GoldenEye on the slapping only mode all the time (laughs) because that was what, you know, 12 year olds thought was funny in 1998. And still do. <laughs> <laughs> that type of humor is pretty much ageless, I will say. Um, I mean, yes, it's ageless. All right. So let's talk about game tournaments. Um, have you guys ever participated in a tabletop gaming tournament outside of the one we're all currently participating in today? Yes. What's uh, one? Yeah. All right. Um, I he- participated in several Keyforge tournaments that you were present at. All right. That is. <laughs> yeah. That is legitimate. 
Any other tournaments or just those? Um, um, I've done those. the Keyforge ones, and I think I've done, like, w- back in the day, I've done, like, a Magic and a Pokemon one. Okay. I think that's about it. I think that's all I've done as far as tournaments go. And it makes sense. So I've done a lot of dueling card game tournaments, like head-to-head type of things. Um, and those types of tournaments make sense. In fact, those games, I think, thrive on for me they're almost built on that format (laughs) yeah they thrive on that that competitive tournament feel and for a card game if it doesn't have a tournament scene or like a competitive scene i tend to give it less credit and or if maybe it just falls into a different tier right if i know i can take this and play it in a tournament that feels like this is a higher tier game than maybe something like Actually, there's no game I can mention right now that there aren't tournaments for, but some games are centered around tournaments and some games are not. We are currently playing in an Azul tournament. Uh, Most people, because it's Azul, know, at least know of the name, even if you've never played it, and have probably seen it. Um, What do you guys think about Azul as a tournament game? And because Fletcher, you finished your game, and Katie, I think you're still in round two of yours. Uh, we just finished round two as we started this recording. So, all right. Just so Fletcher, since you three. were the first game that finished, and you came in dead last, um, how do you feel about <laughs> this game in a tournament format? Thanks. <laughs> no problem. Um, well, I mean, how do I feel about the game, and how do I feel about it in tournament format? I mean, tournament format is fine, especially online. Um, I think maybe the timer needs to kind of like tick up a little bit. Um, but like in person, if everybody's playing Azul and you have enough, you know, players and, and boards and all that kind of stuff, like obviously it would go a lot faster. Uh, but it's a pretty quick game. Um, and uh, to defend myself, I came in last because it was my very first time playing Azul. And <laughs> I watched two, like how it's played or whatever, because I was like, okay, like I should figure out how this is played. And I, they either I have to go back and watch the videos and they either both skimmed over like this one kind of rule or I didn't realize it and I thought about something else. But uh, it was that I knew that you had to complete the whole row to score the tile. But what I didn't understand was if you didn't complete the whole row, that that row would still be there the next round and that you have to like then deal with your rows that all have like three in them. Yep. And, and no place to put other tiles. So I was like, great. So like the very first round, I was like, great. Well, I got six points and then minus eight. So zero. <laughs> I got zero points. <laughs> I was watching your game because you could go on and we'll, we're going to have another topic or another episode on Board Game Arena because I think we've gotten a lot more involved in what that platform can do since the last time we talked about it but one of the things you can do is rewatch people's games so i was i saw that you came in last and you had finished first so i'm like or finished you you guys had finished your games first and i was watching through and i'm like huh i wonder if fletcher has any idea what he's doing probably not <laughs> <laughs> but i mean i had only played a couple times before this and and i played in one of the practice games just before this so that helped and then I ended up coming in first in the game. I, I We just finished, I think, today or, or late yesterday. Um, and I ended up coming in first intentionally. Like, I knew what I was trying to do and I was able to achieve it. I it is, it is far more cutthroat of a game than it first appears. There is this concept. So if you haven't played Azul, um, it's probably important to know how do you play. And 
And essentially, it's played with Skittles. Um, Starburst, Starburst, uh, not Starburst, Skittles. Starburst, please. not Skittles, yes. So it's played with Starburst, <laughs> and you draw these Starbursts out of a bag, and you put them on these little circular tea pl- plates, and each one has four Starbursts on it. Coasters, yes. <laughs> You're going to play with us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is, these has- are the official names of them in my family, is you have <laughs> yes, to get out the Starbursts and put them on the right number of coasters. <laughs> exactly. So at each one, you're going to pick a flavor from the coaster, and you're going to take all of the Starbursts of that flavor. <laughs> And you're going to put them on your board. And your board has spots for one, two, three, four, and five, like, starbursts on each column. And on the right side of the board is, I think it's, is it a six by six or a five by five? It's a five by five board. So there's five flavors. Um, And the right side, so if I put strawberry on my one row, I can't put strawberry again there later because I've already put Mm -hmm. strawberry in that row and it's going to fill it in. And so there's this strategy of essentially you don't want to get stuck having to take something that you can't place because then that goes into this bottom row which is like you know dead flavors that you're not allowed to eat them you can only look at them and they give you negative points and this is not a a great place to get points which you know Fletcher discovered so and really you're just trying to fill the board on the right and you get points for columns rows for completing things but it's really easy for me to look at the board and especially on BGA, where I can say, okay, if I take this flavor, and we're just going to literally go all Starburst all the way. If I take this flavor, (laughs) I force the next person to take that flavor because it's the only flavor they haven't placed or their rows are already complete. And there were a couple times where I could force the next two players' turns because I'm like, well, this is the only thing they can do, so I'm going to get this back. And man, you can get really super strategic and cutthroat when you start looking at forcing other people to take certain turns. Yeah. There were a couple times already where I was like, hmm, they, they are not making the choices that are best for their board necessarily. <laughs> they are taking pieces that others need. And, you know, I play this with my family all the time. And we really play it in a much more friendly way. But you can get really cutthroat with it. And I like playing with people who played a little more friendly but when you're playing in a tournament you can't play like that that's not the point like why i i like playing our friendly games because we play a lot of games on bga now we've really we fell into the deep end here (laughs) uh so when we're playing um welcome to or railroad inc you know they're they're not interactive at all and they're just for fun it's just trying to maximize your own score there's just you're playing and, you know, then we all talk about it later. And I'm really excited because I won the last Welcome to, and I just wanted to say that out loud on the podcast. So here's my moment. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> um, that was my first win on VGA. So it's not like, you know, I'm out there like winning left and right. But uh, with this tournament, I find myself caring a lot more about my score and about winning than I do about playing and having fun. Yeah, John was like right on my tail. I think you were like two or three points behind me there. (laughs) Um, I was so confused about that win because last time I looked, I was tied for third with like a couple (laughs) other people. And then you were like fourth or fifth. And then it just seemed like two turns happened. And then it was like, oh, the game is over and uh, lawful good mom won. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) And then I looked at the score list and I was like, I don't know, third to last. And I was like, "What? wait, what happened? I thought we still had a bunch of turns left. So we're going on a slight tangent, but I'm going to elaborate on this tangent. So in (laughs) Welcome 2, which is now what we're talking about, um, (laughs) the way that turn-based 
roll and rights essentially work in board game arena for at least most of them that I played, you can only see the score of the last turn that other everyone else completed. Mm-hmm. So, and in Welcome to, there are things you can do that can get you a ton of points in a single round or in a single, you know, writing the number down. And it can also end the game. So the game ends when you when anybody can't place three cards um, or a total of three cards over the time, or when any person gets all three of the goal cards will trigger the end of the game. So if Kitty's last number got her a third goal card, she would trigger the end of the game and give her a ton of points. And that's how she can jump ahead. Which is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> so I the last two turns the game on three goal cards. Yeah, yeah. The last two turns I completed two different goal cards. So <laughs> <laughs> And John says you did it out of nowhere. Yeah, because she did right. Because you were wait. Because you must have played a double um, number then to get both goal cards. No, so I did one goal card on one turn, and then the next turn I completed the last goal card. Okay, yeah. So, so I had two, two that turns. were like very close to yep. being completed. So yes, and and this is <laughs> so. And and the thing when you're in competitive mode, right? I think welcome to. Um, I, I mean, I would love to do a Railroad Inc. tournament because I just can't lose on that game, apparently. Although, I will say that Sir Sully has given me a run for my money more times than I care to admit. But, um, and I was actually destroyed in the last <laughs> Railroad Inc. I'm, I'm like, there's a 50% chance that I get annihilated by this meteor. And, yep, I was on the wrong side of that coin. So, uh, back to Azul, though. So, the Azul tournament bringing out this tournament bringing out the competitive side of the game. Is it more or less fun with that competitive piece involved versus playing with your family to maximize your own score? I'm sorry. I'm busy taking my turn right now. <laughs> terrible Just kidding, at no. podcasting. <laughs> I mean, what can be more indicative of how seriously I'm taking this than interrupting our podcast to take my turn right now? Um, no, I'm loving, I'm loving this. I think it's really fun. I like being more competitive online because no one can see how angry I get. And by the time I'm in person (laughs) talking about it, I'm not angry anymore. (laughs) And I do think I've gotten a lot better with my, uh, table flipper ways, but yeah. Um, I, I think there's, I don't know if I want to play an in-person Azul tournament though. And I know people who play tournaments at conventions and stuff like this not for azul necessarily but i know um bunny plays in a lot of um ticket to ride uh tournaments and uh who else did i know somebody else i know played in pandemic tournaments and i'm not remembering who it was but those are both very interesting very different styles of games than i would imagine being played as a tournament (laughs) Yeah. I've also played a long time ago in a Dominion tournament. Uh, so, and and that's really where, like, I get tournaments for dueling card games. For any kind of, like, dueling game. I understand those types of tournaments. But for multiplayer games, it feels very different. And I would say different in very good ways with a small asterisk around it. But but for the most part, I love the idea that I'm going to play this game. I'm going to get, my scores are going to be tracked, or at least my positions, my win positions are going to be tracked. And I'm going to get to keep playing this game until a final winner comes out of it. Like that to me is fun. And Fletcher will get much better at his second game than his first game. 
because there's no place yeah. to go below it helps zero. Know the rules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't score negative points. Well, you can, but you can't score negative points in the tournament. So. Like you are going to, by the end of this tournament, you are going to be far better at this game than in any other way you would have gotten experience with this game. I think, you know, Oh, is this not like elimination only, or is it, you know, elimination? How how does, how does it work? So I believe, and I have not looked at the, uh, tournament. I just assumed I was out, out. Yeah. No, no, no. I think getting 19 set it up, but I'm pretty sure that it's a round robin, at least for the first. I think you're playing you round robin for an X number of rounds, Um, which let's talk about tournament formats. A single bracket elimination should only exist in basketball or other sporting events where, you know, fine. When you're playing a game, the round robin format, I think, is the way to play. And basically what that means is you get to play X number of games, no matter how poorly you do question if you are playing and, and so keyforge says this too right where it's typically round robin you, you can play until the end but then you have you know similar records are playing against each other a lot of people will drop out if they're on the bottom half of that split because they're like well i can't win anyway so i'm just gonna i'm drop out of it how do you feel about that versus just playing the game to play the game i mean um. i guess it depends on why you're playing in the tournament and if you're playing in the tournament to win the tournament, and that's the only reason you're there, then yeah, drop. But I don't think that's the reason you should be playing in a tournament. I think that a tournament is, yes, about winning, but is also about gaining experience, meeting like-minded people, and learning more about how other people play the game. Like, watching other people play Keyforge taught me a lot about playing Keyforge and seeing different people's strategies, seeing what kind of decks they had, what was out there, really, uh, like, I learned a lot more playing there than I would have, even if I was just, you know, and, like, the difference between a uh, tournament at a convention that I went to to play in this tournament versus a tournament that we played at a local game store just amongst people we knew felt really different. And there were positives and negatives that came along with that but you know i i thought it was worthwhile sticking with it even if i was losing i was still learning but that's my take on it and i can see why if somebody who only cares about winning it's like yeah i'll drop yeah and i find it annoying but whatever (laughs) well so i think for like a tournament like if you're having like a friendly tournament then you know the round robin is is fine but if you're having an actual competitive tournament, then you probably want to stick with single elimination or maybe double elimination. Um, because a lot of people are in there to win a tournament. They're not just playing because it's, it's fun. They're playing to win. And if they're going to be in that bottom 50%, they're like, yeah, I'm not going to win. So I'm out of here. Yeah. So, and, and John actually mentions, um, I'll use his words so that I don't paraphrase this. I hate it as players, as a player in the tournament. I feel like player who are drop are sore losers. Um, and hey, John said it, not me. Um, <laughs> there are a few reasons why I have dropped out of a tournament. Um, if it's going extraordinarily long and it's like, okay, I would rather eat dinner than play another game. Uh, that's that's a reason I have dropped in the past. And we've had a couple of those where, you know, missed starts or whatever. The tournament's lasting hours longer than it should. But in general, I like 
playing through. Even if I'm, I mean, once you get into the losers bracket and you stay in the losers bracket, what do you have to lose? <laughs> I mean, you just get to play another game. But it can be frustrating if you are a competitive person and you just keep losing. That losing is not fun, right? And if you're not having fun, your opponent's probably not going to have fun. And there is the chance that other people will miss out on a game if you drop, but typically is a 50-50 chance. If there's an even number of players, you're still going to have someone to play against, even if you do drop. I like the idea, and um, Getty says that we're not playing round robin because Board Game Arena only allows two-player round robin. Um, We're playing Swiss style, so four games per player, and then you get points after each round, most points wins. Oh, I even like that better. So... um, so Fletcher got zero points in his first game. I got four points in my first game. But Fletcher's still in the running. Like, he could still, you know, get 12 points in the next three games. And I could not get to 12 points. And I like that idea because you you keep getting points. However, once you're in the fourth round, there are people that will have no chance. Even in the third round, if you got zero twice in a row, there are people that will have no chance to, you know, win the tournament. But in a format like Board Game Arena, I think it's still fun to play the game. And you're still playing with other listeners and, you know, it's restricted to our group and you get to know people. And, you know, I the people I was playing against, I we also have Board Game Arena names. So we probably should do something in the chat. Like, <laughs> <I know>. hey, <laughs> my name's easy. It's Chris Steele. It says so right there in the chat. But then we have a lot of other names that are not the same. Like, Getty's name is Rich, but Getty will always be Getty to me, even if I meet him in real life. I'd be like, hey, Getty19, how you doing? Because um, that's just how you, you know, you get to know people. But I like playing at that. And even if I was doing miserably, I would still play because it's fun to meet new people and play games with them. And it's a fun way to get good or get better at a game. You know, you may never get good, but you can always get better. I'm going to pause for a moment for your thoughts. <laughs> just a thought. Just a yeah. moment. <laughs> All right. So this particular tournament, one of the things that I said from the beginning and Getty actually was, you know, he, he suggested I do otherwise. And I said, no, um, <laughs> I am not rewarding the winner of the tournament with a prize. There are prizes, but the way you get prizes is you just participate in all of your games. Participate in all of your games. And if you take your turns fast, you might get an extra entry into whatever drawing I might do. Um, but participate in all of your games and you will have a chance to win something. And I like this model better because it prevents this sore loser mentality. Play the game to have fun and everyone has an equal chance of winning. However, and this is where I want to kind of get you guys' opinions, I am not, I don't think in the majority on this. I think most people, when they play a tournament, they feel the winner should get something. If I win, why don't I get something, right? What are your thoughts on that? Like, participation prizes versus I won everything, now give me the stuff. I mean, there is something that the winner always gets, and that is the glory. They get the pride and the feeling of being the winner. And to me, that is enough. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah so so you know like you get bragging rights we all hang out once a week join us here at eight thirty on mondays and we are going to talk about it and i'm going to make everyone listen to me talk about it if i win i'm going to bring it up on next week's podcast and no one can stop me um yeah so like I, I don't think you need, like, yeah, sure. Is it fun to get, like, a monetary prize of some kind or 
a trophy. I don't know. Yeah, it's fun. It's cool to have those things. But to me, the more fun thing is being the best. You just gave me a great idea. All right. So the winner, <laughs> the winner may get something. I have to Google. I have to Google Uh-oh. something, which I'm not going to do now because I'm not a kitty. But Chris is um, making actually, a trophy. <laughs> Virtual trophies. <laughs> and if this doesn't exist, I'm going to create this digital trophy. I just so the idea here is kind of like when you play, you know, your your friendly neighborhood fantasy football or whatever, right? Like you get a trophy and you pass that trophy around for the winner of each season. That's Pop what Spencer I want to do. Have it anymore. I want to create a virtual trophy <laughs> that will get passed around, and whoever the winner of the tournament is, they get that virtual trophy and their name on it until the next person wins, and then they get that virtual trophy and their name gets added to it. So that is the winner. The, the winner is going to get a virtual trophy. I will. I will commission some art. We're going to have the best trophy ever, and it's just the names that are going to keep getting added to it as it gets passed around. Plus, I'll do drawings for participation. But there is a winning thing. It's just that is literal. It's a. It's an. It's not going to be an NFT, but you can call it an Pixels NFT. Pixels of glory. Pixels of glory. So Fletcher, <laughs> is that enough for your competitive nature? I mean, I would have. I personally don't care. <laughs> for Fletcher, he needs a twenty. I am not to the that vision. competitive. <laughs> I kind of like the the whole virtual trophy thing though, because that we can win a virtual trophy. We're not going to mm-hmm. win prizes. But we could win the virtual yeah. trophy. And now we got to knock Kitty off of her high horse because she has the virtual trophy. <laughs> I'm not going to get the virtual trophy. I'm not doing very well in my game. We'll see. You can come from behind. Like I was I was in last place all the way down until final scoring. And then I jumped ahead by a few points. It's like that, that last round was really important for me. So are you guys having fun with the tournament? And and again, Fletcher, I'm going to ask you first because um, you lost and you're the first loser in the tournament. Um, <laughs> you had zero points at the top of the list. Uh, one game played, How zero points. How many times are you going to tell Fletcher that he lost? <laughs> oh, right. I need, we're not going to have fun anymore. We're also going to have a virtual <laughs> toilet. So um, that'll get passed around too. Um, so <laughs> Fletcher likes me sometimes. Uh, but Fletcher, are you looking forward to your next game? Uh, yeah, I mean, as of, you know, 10 minutes ago, I didn't think I was going to play again. So, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was single elimination. And I was like, all right, I'm done. But now it's like, how much humiliation can Fletcher endure? <laughs> exactly. And we'll, we'll touch on it each week just to see where you're at. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to actually look at the rules and see when the next one starts. Because right now, I don't have BGA open at the moment. Uh, Kitty, I'm sure you do. but you And you can tell me what the progress is on these things. And even if I did, I'm not 100% sure I know how to get to the um, tournament page. Because I have my current games, but I don't have the other ones. But... uh I'm looking forward to the next game. And because I finished first, I have this pressure of like, oh, man, I could finish first. So now I want to keep doing it. Fletcher, because you finished last, um, we didn't. I don't think we mentioned that, that you got zero points for finishing last. Um, but because you finished last, <laughs> are, you, are you going in being like, oh, great, I get to get a point? Are you like trying for points? Or like, what is your motivation going into this game? Well, I mean, I was just in it to have fun, but now I feel like I need to prove something. <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> Kitty hasn't even finished yet, so she doesn't even know. I know, I might get zero points too. <laughs> I feel like my next game, I'm going to like 
you know, study Wikipedia and just like watch all of the strategy things. So it's like, I can play this game. So fun fact, when you're playing the game, you can scroll down and there's multiple tabs. Like here's the rules, tutorial, blah, blah, blah. There's one that says strategy tips and you can click on that button too. Um, I have never clicked on it. I, I don't, I haven't done that, but um, I would assume that it would help for those who haven't played. Now, and I, obviously I'm giving Fletcher a hard time for fun. I'm not for no other reason. But it is one of those things where I'm like, I want people, and that's this is exactly why the winner isn't getting anything besides a virtual trophy, which I'm still trying to uh, figure out in my head what that's going to look like, because I want people to play <laughs> for fun. I want people to play and meet other people and play four games that you can compare with each other. But in the end, you know, even Fletcher, actually, you know, just to add insult to injury here, Fletcher, you came in dead last and you don't qualify for the prize drawing. So really, I don't even know why you're bothering, but um, I'm glad you're working with us and participating in this with us. I think uh, what I'm going to do is purposely lose all of my next games. <laughs> if you get Fletcher. So if, you're, if you get paired with me, you know that it's a it's a gimme. So you only have to play against the other person. Or maybe I'll just choose, I'll just like, I won't try to score points myself. I'll just try to ruin other people's boards as much as possible. Make it as difficult as possible. <laughs> so so you're going to play the kingmaker game of it all. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> uh, ah, no. I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes. All right. Um, we've talked about a lot of things. I want to talk about um, not Azul, not our Azul tournament right now, <laughs> but... In general, um, and I have a question here, like what games are best suited for tournament play? I think the answer to that surely is, you know, dueling competitive games. Um, but outside of Azul and outside of two-player games, what other games could you guys see being like a tournament format that you'd have fun playing in? And, and like what considerations would you have to throw in there to make it tournament worthy or tournament, you know, just like work with the tournament? It can always be like, yes, first, second, third. But, you know, are there other ways that you could make some of these games more involved and more integrated in with the tournament format? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Question <enough>. unclear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Question, Question unclear. Please ask again. <laughs> so what is what is your favorite game? My favorite game? Yeah. I, I guess Dungeons and Dragons. Tabletop. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a great so Kitty, while I while I grow Fletcher here, you you think of your answer that's not a role playing game. So Dungeons and Dragons in its early days, convention play was competitive. Like you had these modules that you'd have to go through and you'd have to try to figure out, you know, get through the puzzle fastest, um, do it best, find certain things. Like it was a competitive game in the seventies and eighties. I'm assuming you never played a competitive D&D game? I have not. How would you see that working? And do you think it could I, work? Um, I don't understand how it works. I mean, the only thing I could think of is like literally if you're just dueling nope. another player or like it's a free-for-all kind of a thing. It was actually more like you're dueling the dungeon master. So the dungeon master had, they knew what they could do. And the players would literally just have to out- think the dungeon master it was a competition between the players and the dungeon master and they couldn't say rocks falls everyone dies unless it said it on the page and i think there was one that 
actually said that on the page. Um, but they can, like the Tomb of Horrors, like uh, Getty brings that up in the chat, was originally designed as a tournament module. And it is designed to kill you. If you were to play that game or play that module, most of the time that you go through that particular adventure, you're going to die. Your characters are going to die. And really your goal was to get as far as you could. And, you know, whoever got the furthest won and moved to the next um, the next round. And even now, I actually haven't seen, I think before the pandemic, they were starting to bring back some competitive stuff. Um, the ones I like the best are the Iron DM uh, games, where you are given a set of circumstances. And as a dungeon master, you just have to create a game around that, those circumstances. And then as you play, you'll get judged by your players as to how well you did, you know, coming up with that scenario. So I think that that is kind of an interesting way of also making D&D competitive. But yeah, I'm, I'm fairly certain that anything that you can think of has been made competitive at some point or another. Um, Kitty, have you thought of a game? Probably that you think would be fun to put in a tournament form? Um, well, now you changed the question on me, because I was thinking of my favorite game. But whatever. Well, we'll talk about Calico. All right. And I think that there are a couple different ways you could do Calico. Calico is a little similar to Azul. So you could do it just the same way where you're playing, and whoever wins gets so many points, do Swiss rounds, single-player elimination, whatever it is. But basically, it's based on the score where you play the game. Also, it can be played more of like a solo style where you are trying to beat a score where everyone is getting the same input and you can try to make the best version of it. And this falls more under the like Railroad Inc. on the app daily challenge kind of game where and what is the daily challenge on the Railroad Inc. app except a gigantic tournament of strangers. Yeah. Where there is only glory and points on the line. <laughs> I actually kind of like that. Where you could be... So, games that have scores at the end. Mm-hmm. Whatever that is. You could essentially say, okay, we're going to take the top 50% of the scores, and those people are going to play again. And then we take the top 50. And then those people play again. And so you're always... And, and those are ones that are more um, solo games. You know, roll and write. Or... Because you... Those those it's hard to do that for a game where someone else can mess up your score. Mm-hmm. But if we're playing Railroad Inc. tournament, I would love to just say, okay, everyone plays, and you know, actually you just do cumulative scores. You play 10 rounds, and whoever has the most the highest points after 10 rounds total is the winner. Mm-hmm. So you could have a really good round and that could carry you through to like a bad round that you might have had. Um, I think it changes the way you play the game a little bit too, though, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I was thinking um, the interesting thing, though, with like roll and write games or whatever kind of game, if everyone's getting the same input is, you know, it's but everyone's scores end up so different every time. You know, like we see this over and over again in our BGA games and, you know, me and you texting each other. What was your high score for today's challenge? Whatever it is, you know, even when you're getting the same kind of input it can you can get such varied results based on like m- what seem like minor decisions at the beginning and like yeah you can gain skill but there is a, an element of luck to it and sometimes you know chris just gets lucky and that one die that he needed <laughs> always seems to come up for him at the end of railroad inc and i don't know what it is but <laughs> um 
Yeah, I like the idea of like everyone gets the same thing. And I think this is how pandemic pandemic works in a tournament setting as a cooperative game is that everyone has the same board at the beginning, the same order of cards, the same everything. And it's more, but that one, I think it's timed. And I think, um, yeah, John Williams in the chat pointed out that it's just whoever solves it fastest. Yeah, pandemic isn't very interesting. Well, it's the num- the least number of turns, um, not mm-hmm. wall clock time, not but, literal time, but right game time. Yep. So pandemic, the way they do it is very very interesting. They don't you don't have a draw deck at all, mm-hmm. and so what ends up happening is it is set up. It'll go it'll go through. They'll tell you what cards are drawn so you can like pull them and put them in your hand but they'll tell you and everyone draws the same thing everyone hits the epidemic at the same time and then when the reshuffle the reshuffle is identical for everybody so everyone's playing the same input to their random deck and it's just what they do in reaction to that that is the differentiator there and i think that's a super interesting way to do something like pandemic which is not something you could normally do in a tournament fashion. No, it is very difficult. Like, I feel like they had to put some real effort and time into coming up with, how do we make this a tournamentable game? Because on its own, it does not lend itself to being played in a tournament. There's so much randomness to what you're going to draw and how things shake out that if you were just trying to, oh, everyone plays a game and this is how it goes and this is how we're going to score it. Like it's unless you are giving everyone that same input, you, you can't compare scores yeah. or times or turns, whatever it is. There's just no way. Yeah. Now I will say there's nothing wrong with randomness in competitive games. Um, I, so Azul, for example, there is no randomness in that game as far as like for the player luck. It's, you're going to, the, What's being pulled out and the state of the round is known to all players at that time. So, yes, there's like mm-hmm. the random setup there, but there's no... There's randomness in the beginning. Right. But, but everyone's reaction to it is identical, right? You you yeah. get to all respond to that. Unlike um, something like Railroad Inc., where there is randomness at the same thing at the beginning of the round but well i guess this kind of works for azul too it's what you do on previous rounds and how that how you can utilize the randomness in future rounds that really matter and there is i will say the difference to me between railroad inc and azul is in railroad inc every time it could be anything where with azul you are going to get all the tiles like the tiles don't shuffle back in until you have put out all like so there's in the physical game it's a bag and you draw the tiles out of the bag and then when you discard the unused tiles they go they don't go back in the bag until the bag is emptied and then they go back in so you know all of the tiles are going to be coming out there's an equal number of all the tiles so you can see you know if all of the blues come out early you know that there's going to be less blue later on whereas with railroad ink you roll the dice, you can get the exact same roll, two rolls in a row, theoretically. You know, like, I can't tell you how many games I have played where they are just, they're straight. All of the lines are straight, and I can't make any intersections, (laughs) and it is driving me crazy, and all I need is a 90-degree piece because I can't with these straight lines anymore. (laughs) And it can just keep happening to you over and over again, where with Azul or other games like this, where you know you're going to go through a set amount of pieces 
And you can sort of count what's been played a little bit. Fletcher, you should get back into our Railroad Inc. um, games. Because I think it is a game that you can get better at. Absolutely, it's a game you can get better at. Because I'm even, sure I can get better at it. It was just the first one. I was like, I know how to play this game. And then I was like, wait, no, this is an expansion. I have no idea how to play this game. And then the instructions it's... were confusing because it was like, you must place all dice. And I was like, really? Okay. Like, I guess I'll just put this in the corner. I don't understand how this works. It's like, oh, no, you must place all dice except for these two. You don't have to play But those. now you know. Oh. Thanks, And now you know. And now you can get better. But, but yeah, join us. Because I would premise... or. Posit? Posit? Yeah, I would say that there is a lot of randomness in dice rolling games, and the number of games of Railroad Inc. that I've played against, you know, eight plus people in the past few weeks is excessive. I've played a lot, (laughs) and I would say that my win rate is also significantly higher than anyone else, and it's not because, you know, my dice, like, we're all getting the same dice, there's mm-hmm. strategy to the game. There's things you can do to maximize your score and minimize the chance that all rows or all straights are going to screw you over. Um, every once in a while, I hate the meteor one because the meteor one just destroys everything. But I don't like the meteor. I don't like the meteors. Worst expansion. I'm on the record. It's it's pretty bad. I yeah. still want to play it because it just <laughs> makes really really low scores. But it's such an interesting puzzle. And it's so much more interesting playing against other people. And I'm watching everyone get better. Like, everybody. When it first started out, like, I'd have, like, you know, 70, and the next highest score would be, like, in the 30s, 40s, or 50s. Now it's like, no, no, no. Everyone's, like, plus or minus, like, five or ten points of each other. And these games are We are all getting better. (laughs) Yes. And I think that's it's such an interesting thing. And I'm wondering where the skill cap is. And I'm wondering if do we all just start making the same boards because we all start thinking like a hive mind. And <laughs> for every every role, we just do the same thing because we know what's the best place to put them. I don't know. But I, I love it. And I haven't well, gotten sick of it yet, which is crazy. I don't know if that'll happen. Even if that happens, I'd be curious to see then if like there's a different hive mind where like – another group that's been playing like are we like learning from each other like we can only make ourselves as good as our our best players will get and then if you like play against another group of good players did they teach each other differently i don't know this is getting a little enders gamey over here well we played so you and i uh, i think last week i said hey join this random game and we joined i'm pretty sure we came in like one and two we we did. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay. So it pays to like practice at this game and going up against a bunch of randos, we destroyed them. Um which yeah, I like we need because another, you know, we need a bean to our ender to see yeah. if my just, theory holds up. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, and I like that that happened not because I like winning. I mean, winning's fun. I don't get me wrong, I like winning, but because I'm like, okay, this is a skill game. It's not mm-hmm. just a dice-chucking random game. Unlike Yahtzee, which is not a skill game, right? Yahtzee is a dice-chucking random game. And I think it's the skill cap, right? How much better can you get on someone else if you know how to play the game? Um, there are people who are good at Yahtzee, but you know they know how to play the odds. Poker is kind of the same thing, right? It's another one that's like a really high skill cap, but it's a very random game. But if you know how that randomness works, you can take advantage of it. And because of that, 
you are going to be better than someone who's just, yeah, they may get lucky and beat you, but they don't know how to take advantage of the long of the long game there. Um, I don't know if we got off track on the tournament stuff. I don't think so. I think we're still talking tournament. We're talking highly competitive <laughs> tournament level games. What I, I, I don't know. I, there's some other co-op games that I wouldn't mind saying, like, how could you make this tournament worthy? I think Marvel United would be a really kind of a fun one. Like, how quickly can you beat the boss? But I can't imagine a way of making that work because there's so many random elements there. I think a lot of the co-op games, you really have to you have to control for the random nature of it. Because otherwise, that can play a huge effect into how well you're able to do. Unless you're able to play a bunch of games in a row and then take the average or something like that. Um, but that's not something you could do in real life. And even on BGA, that's a little bit of... Of work, I don't know. Yeah, cooperative games are tricky because, like the the randomness has to be there for the replayability. Like that's the only thing that makes them replayable. Like if there were no randomness, then you would never like you'd beat it once and be like, okay, now we know well, how to do it. We did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a puzzle. Yeah, and so you have to have the randomness there to keep the puzzle interesting. Otherwise, it's just a one-time, you know, it's a, it's an escape room then, basically. And I'm sure that there are competitive escape... I mean, like, any real-life escape room is always, like, how fast can you do it? And everyone's getting the exact same scenario. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I All would right. like to so, do an escape room tournament. I would be part of that. That's the kind of crazy that I am. <laughs> speaking of tournaments... And it just popped into my head. And again, um, thanks, Matthew, for making me think this. Uh, I kind of want to do a homeworld tournament now. But now that it's on Board Game Arena and Kitty's on Board Game Arena, is this an opportunity to teach Kitty how to play homeworlds? Absolutely not. (laughs) Never. I hate it. I don't want to do it. You can't make me. Uh, fine. Fletcher, I've made you play Homeworlds, You can I? ruin my reputation. Yes. I will leave games unplayed. <laughs> play I together. don't care. <laughs> <laughs> fine. Kitty will never play Homeworlds with me. That's all right. Fletcher will. But yeah, everyone, challenge, I will. challenge me in Homeworlds. How many different games can I play at once on BGA? John says he doesn't like... Oh, no. John he says if I you don't, don't I don't. Like. I don't. That's not true. I don't you like, like home worlds. I like abstract pyramid games. You like the number of the pyramid I liked, games, yeah. Well, we have the in the pyramid arcade box. I would say I liked mm, probably like a third of the games. Go back and listen to episode thirteen. It's the episode that put us on the map, which was all about pyramid arcade. As far as the map on we ever got. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was our <laughs> biggest percentage jump of listeners. That's when we did. It's that. true. <laughs> we were from like ten to one hundred. It's hard to get a podcast going these days. Um, all right. So that's our talk on tournaments. I think I like them. I'm very competitive when I play them, but I'm very opinionated on how they should be run. And I most enjoy um, competitive tournaments of non-competitive games, <laughs> of typically <laughs> non-competitive games. I think that's that's where I land. <laughs> I like that. I most enjoy losing first and fast. well you are doing a great job (laughs) fletcher i expect you to get first place in your next game (laughs) 
Okay. I think you got this. You're in the loser's bracket. I actually don't know how the pairings work, but you're in the loser's bracket. So you should be playing against all people <laughs> that we could make fun of in the same way, which we're not making fun of anybody. Seriously, if you lost, somebody has to come in third. You could have three amazing players and you still just come in third. Or I'm pretty you know, sure I'm going to lose. Also, I'm like looking at my what's going on over here and I did not see something happening that I really should have seen happening and I'm totally going to lose this game. But that's fine. It's just for fun. It is just for fun. And it is fun. It is. And that's the, the main thing. It is fun. There's it's these games are so much fun. So I'm just going to reiterate. It is fun. Um, I'm taking my my turn in century right now. So just uh, give me a second here. <laughs> oh, I thought you weren't doing this. <laughs> I thought I was the only terrible host who would take their turn while we were recording a podcast. Well, in my defense, playing the games oh, at all. Ho, ho. here we are now. You you um you said something and then I clicked on the thing to see if I could find something and I'm pretty sure that everybody in my Sentry game is listening in our live audience right now so now the turns are really like ticking and yeah I, I can't have people <laughs> waiting on me I can see the two people in our Welcome to game that are not on the call right now because everyone else it was like <laughs> it turned over at the beginning of the episode and I just watched them all fall <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a listener. And you're in on BGA. Uh, my number one advice is make it work on your phone because, um, yeah. But actually, my it's it's so addicting. My real advice is just get involved <laughs> in more than one game because if you're just involved in one, then you won't like you won't feel you won't check it very often because it's just one game. But if you have six different games going, every time you open up your phone or whatever, you're like, oh, I got a turn to take. I got a turn to take. I got a turn to take. So we will Which is talk why about. I was like, you need to start more Railroad Inc. games because I only had that Azul game going. But luckily, we've got I've got a Welcome to game now. I've got Potion Explosion. You did make a different um, Discord channel. So if you join. Like, if you don't want to get any Discord notifications except the ones that are new BGA games, you can make that happen. And yep. it wasn't hard for me to set it up, and I'm not technologically savvy, so you should yep. be able to handle it. And here's a fun trick you can do. <laughs> so you can turn on email notifications for BGA, which will then email you that it's your turn. You can then, in basically every email client, or especially Google, um, but most clients will allow you to do this, you can set a filter that will send you a text message saying, hey, you got a BGA uh, email. And then you get text alerts anytime it's your turn, and you'll never be the person anyone's waiting on. And if you use Apple products, then if you have one text message come in, your entire suite of Apple products. I got a phone call come in today when I was using (laughs) my... I had my phone in front of me with my Apple Watch on and my laptop open while my iPad was doing something. And like my entire desk just went insane. And <laughs> I was like, I'm like, you're getting a phone call. It's, it's your sister's calling. Dun, dun, so, dun, dun. Oh, good stuff. It's pretty impossible um, for me to miss things. And yet I managed to do it because I walk away from the desk and then I just have the watch and I, I ignore it. You know what I learned? about playing games on board game arena and again we're gonna do an entire episode on this but um sometimes i get the rules wrong in person like i did not realize in century that you could cards that convert one gem to another you can do multiple times so it's like convert a red to two greens or whatever it's not what it is but you could do that if you have three reds you convert to six greens all in one card play i did not know this that's a big deal so Mm -hmm. it's all about board game arena 
And I keep having to play this three over and over on our ice cream game. It's just, I'm just going to keep playing the three until <laughs> this game advances. It sounds like everyone else has given up on this ice cream game and you were the only one trying to play this three. I, I'm not giving up on it. I'm going to make it happen, darn it. All right. Anyway, <laughs> that's the end of an episode. Um, uh, Let's see. Kitty, It's this is to you. Get us out of here. Tabletop Game Tech is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recording Monday nights at 8.30 Central or join our Discord to talk to us all week long. Both of the links are in our show notes. You can also email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. Or there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, The Gifted Games, Sahara Wentworth, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayesh, John Williams, David Rank, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Jimothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz, Weatherman Keith, Joe Punman, Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Christopher Letgo, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Jeremy Fisher, Jason Marks, Christopher Dong, Terrence Milner, Richard Yassi, Token Fan Forever. David Radke, Brian Arnold, David Wagoner, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan Seed, Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Slander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willard, Jerry Wong, and Sean P. Kelly. And thanks to anyone who's ever been a patron or anyone who's thinking about being a patron, even your thoughts. No drive us forward um until next week (laughs) keep playing games and having fun we run on thought power thought power it's all about thoughts Um, i'm putting out a general call to our listeners if you want to create a trophy a virtual trophy that gets passed around for every tournament by all means, do so and send it to me, feedback at tabletopgamedoc.com. And if I love it and use it, then you will get something. I don't know what. It's, I, I'm just, you know, random something. It's just a trophy from the league. <laughs> Your name will go on the trophy first. <laughs> You'll get it. That's what, yeah. <laughs> You'll get a trophy. That is true. So when you design this trophy, make it awesome and put your name right on the top. It's, you get a trophy for making the trophy. All right, that's it. Good night.